DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Question of the morning. Where does this Boise State game rank on the list of biggest games that BYU has played? Jeff says, maybe somewhere between 10 and 20. Even if they win, they're a long shot for the New Year's Six. Cincinnati would have to lose. That's unlikely. BYU may be as likely to miss all bowls due to bowl cancellations as to get to a New Year's Six. A lot of doubt out there, PK. Doubters. Well, fine. That's, that's other people. You need to establish legitimacy with inside the walls of your football program in the offices in the building and all that stuff. And it goes a long way. If you win and finish in the top ten, even if this other stuff isn't out there for you, that's still legitimate. An undefeated season is always a big deal. And the top ten ranking is always a big deal. Of course. That, that sounds good when you go out and re- recruit the next generation of players. All right, let's bring in, Absolutely. Bring in Dylan Colley right now, former BYU wide receiver. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? Good. Now, Dylan, people know you played at Hawaii. You transferred to BYU, but you're a Colley. So I'm thinking <laughs> that you were following BYU when you weren't really clear on what BYU was. I mean, do you have memories of games when you're like four, five, or six? It's a big deal. There's a football game. It's but you know, but you know, you're a little kid. So uh, the I actually uh, it probably wasn't until uh, my brother Zach and Austin were there together. Um, you know, uh, until really Brandon Bellman, the year Brandon and Luke Staley, so 2001. So I was probably eight the first time I really watched a BYU football game um, and really cared about BYU football. I didn't watch a whole lot of college football when I was younger. I watched a lot of basketball and a lot of NFL, but there I didn't really have a team. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of good to have that first team be my brother, Zach, walked on, um, you know, uh, after his senior year, he walked on at BYU Lavelle's last season as a coach. And so that's really when it started. But before that, I really wasn't, uh, I wasn't on the BYU train yet. So this week against this game against Boise, we've been talking about it. We'll continue to talk about it all week. The level of importance. You know, you can argue, is it bigger than this game or that game? Uh, bowl games, title, conference title games, occasional regular season game comes to mind. You know, Miami, what was it, back in 90, I think it was, yep. when when the Cougars beat them and Detmer uh, catapulting yeah. to a Heisman. All of those were huge. But as far as being an independent, in my mind, this is the biggest game they've played as an independent with the most on the line and certainly the most since Kalani's been there. How do you respond to that? Yeah. No, I, I 100% believe that the, like, that's, that's the case. Uh, I think the first question that goes with that is, is – Bachmeyer, do we know if he's cleared yet? So uh, there was a there was a press availability, and Yach was monitoring it during our show, and there was some serious deflection of all questions pertaining to quarterbacks. Yach was laughing about it. He's going, he is not going anywhere near that. I just wonder, is that really that big a deal? And and maybe Air Force is that bad, and it is. But man, Sears. You're 17-20, and you hit a deep ball on the first pass of the game, and your team gets down a couple times. They're down 14-7, 17-14. He never blinked. So they're going to get 
I yeah. think they're getting good quarterback play regardless of who's out there. Maybe they get better quarterback play with one guy than the other, but they get good quarterback play either, either way. Right, right. And I think that's where it's just hard to kind of establish, right? Like, okay, because one, I completely agree that this is going like uh, everything that we just talked about in terms of how big this game is. If BYU doesn't, right, one, I don't think winning is uh, as much of an issue, right? I think I think the win will be taken care of. This either goes this way. It either BYU loses, everyone is, you know, uh, everyone else except BYU fans is like, finally, right? <laughs> we no longer have to hear about it. The second is BYU wins. Now, if BYU wins and Bachmeyer is the quarterback, who is the established starting quarterback, right, who everyone knew was going to be the starter, um, and even though, right, this backup seriously played phenomenal this last weekend, I think just the, hey, this is our backup. Right? If BYU doesn't blow this team out with a backup, I think there's going to be a lot of skepticism and a lot of, hey, that New Year's or that, that playoff opportunity kind of diminishes there. If Bachmeyer plays, BYU wins by handle, you know, two touchdowns, it's a two possession game. Right then, the playoffs are still. Uh, I, I believe that the playoff chances increase. If BYU wins, right? If BYU wins, I think there's a clean trajectory to a New Year's Six Bowl, no problem, no questions asked. Right? They handle San Diego State, um, and I think we all know this Boise State game at Albertson Stadium is something that's been looming over BYU fans and people for a long time. It's very rare that you know you can get a win up there, and I think it does say a lot when you do win and, and do it handedly. So you're an ex-player. You come from a family of players. This particular week, if you were on the team and you're playing, how hard would it be to be concentrating on anything else in your life? <laughs> um, I, I think from about July to December, there's it's, it's always difficult to think about anything right outside of football. Um, in your life and that's kind of just part of it and you know I think real like true players are the guys that are they really don't let anything get in the way there are no distractions for you know that seven months Um, family understand that your spouse should understand that Um, your friends need to understand that and and when you're trying to achieve a a much bigger goal than just going out and playing a little football game in the backyard um, you know uh, you can't you can't be distracted especially at this level so there is, of course, a massive distraction called Election Day. Now, the NCA says, oh, they have to have Tuesday off. But Gary Anderson comes on and says, you have to give it to them off at 10 a.m. So how many teams in the country practice between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m.? Out of 130 teams, how many teams do you think practiced? So, so I'm, I would, I mean... I'd probably say if, 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 if all 130 teams are playing right, especially for the Pac-12 game week, I'm willing to put money on the fact that at least 90 of those teams practiced at 6 a.m. At Hawaii, we practiced every day. We were outside. on. You needed to be outside on the field, stretched, ready to go at 6.20 every single morning. So that was absolutely miserable and brutal all at the same time. But today, specifically, I would say at least, 90 of those teams practice this morning before 10 a.m. And I bet that they're kind of saying after practice, the thought is, hey, guys, 
really glad we get this opportunity to go vote. Um, if you're interested, you know, I know Zach and, you know, I know uh, Katoa and I know Dax are going to be in the film room a little bit later if you guys want to watch film with them. Right. And that's the message of, hey, better be at film. <laughs> in the afternoon, like, optional. <laughs> like, how long right. does it take you to vote, dude? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fill exactly. out the ballot so, and then get to the film room. Right, one hundred percent. No questions asked on that. So, um, I don't think that they, that you're really losing a day. That's interesting the way you phrase that, and I'm, now that you say it, I'm, I'm thinking you're probably right. So, you talk about how when you were in Hawaii. Uh, you were ready to go so early. The Pac-12 starting this week in Los Angeles between the Sun Devils and the Trojans. They're going to start at nine or yeah, nine o'clock local time, ten o'clock our time. And uh, pregame meal is like at four forty-five. So a lot of these teams are going like the Sun Devils, where I went. So I follow them a little bit. They do practice in the morning. How big of a mm-hmm. deal do you think that is in terms of being a disruption to the body clock, if at all? Oh, I, I think it's I think it's a huge, huge deal. Um, you look at college athletes in general, right, and and the load that really is on them. Um, you know, scientifically, right, to be able to perform at your peak, you need at least eight hours of sleep. And when you're waking up at four forty-five, uh, realistically, there's no chance that someone is going to bed right at you know uh, is going to be asleep, a especially a college kid. The night before a first game, right, um, there's no chance that a kid's going to get to sleep by 845. And, you know, the same thing happened with practice. It was like we would practice at 620. Um, You know, it wasn't until probably 730 where you can kind of start to feel the energy. You can start to feel, you know, people liven up a little bit. But um, expecting people to get up, expecting kids to get up that early in college and and to play – Right, that, you go back to the top ten percent. That anomaly style of football—it's uh, kind of—it's really unrealistic. So, would it at least be an advantage if a team practiced in the morning all the time? I get it; still wouldn't be perfect. It still wouldn't be a hundred percent. You know, the right thing to do. But a team yeah. that practices where you got to be, you know, like you say, six twenty, ready to go, versus a team that's practicing at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's, if you've never, if you, if you, if you, if your body is used to you getting up, right, even at eight, eight thirty, right, and you go to class all day, and you have time to clear your mind, and then you get the opportunity to have meetings before, and you can kind of prep that way, and then three o'clock comes, and it's time to be physically ready, right? You've had a full mental day, a full mental preparation, right, and your body has had time to warm up. Good luck getting up and playing a football game at nine a.m. It's going to be miserable. So obviously this is a big game for the Cougars. How do you think Zach Wilson performs in big games? You know, I, I think one of the most defining moments of Zach's career, and also I think one of the most defining moments in Fessy Sataki's career, was 2018 at Albertson Stadium um, when Zach gave up the sack on third down, uh, and and we ended the game that way. After right, we were in a really really good position to win. Um, and that was Zach as a freshman. And when he gave up that sack, he came off the field, and instantly you could kind of see his entire face go white. Um, and he had realized what had just happened. But 
as he was leaving the field, Fessy just kind of pulled him aside and said, you know, kind of gave him that, hey, that obviously wasn't the smartest play. We're going to learn. We're going to grow from this. And this is going to be something that either kind of, you know, puts you in the dumps forever or it changes your career. Um, and that conversation is when I feel that Zach really saw himself as, okay, these people really do depend on me. I am the future of this program. And, you know, uh, I need to be better in these situations. And so I think for the last two years, he's done nothing but prepare for moments like these. I think Zach is, you know, uh, 100% ready to take this game on um, and, and go into it with the mental, you know, confidence that he's had the last few weeks. And that's that he is one of the best top quarter, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation right now. And he really can't be stopped at this point. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us. So what are you worried about in this game? What are you stressing? What do you think the problem is for BYU? This could cost the Cougars the game. I worry about the consistency and the discipline that Boise State has played with forever. And right, BYU hasn't had forget, – forget athletic ability, right? Because BYU is apparently the underdog in athletic ability every single game that ever has been played in history. And so – I don't worry about athletic ability. I worry about them matching up Saturday with someone who is just as disciplined, who is just as right critical, um, just as physical, plays downhill. Um, you know, you can never count out Brian Harson and and his teams. Um, and you know, I think just as a whole, a, a big you know a big picture. My biggest worry is that it is Boise State and it's at Albertson State. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, do you, do you have any reason as to why the Cougars just have had no success there in terms of winning? Because it's kind of it's sort of crazy. I mean, they figured out ways to lose games in just about every possible fashion. <laughs> right, right. And, and I don't know. And it may be because people like me sit here and say Boise State at Albertson Stadium, right? Like, <laughs> I may be putting that bad juju in the air um, and, you know, it comes down to these types of things. I will say that, you know, I, playing for Hawaii, a lot of people wanted to pay to play you so that they could absolutely beat you every single week, right? And so, and so I got the opportunity to play at Ohio State following the year. Uh, they won the national championship. I had the opportunity to play at Michigan in the big house. Um, the first game that they were a part of this Jordan right, the Jordan brand. And so September in the big house, uh, Derek Jeter, Charles Woodson, Michael Jordan are standing at midfield during the entire warm-up. Um, less to say, I was extremely tight the entire game because I was more just in awe during warm-ups, uh, seeing those three. Um, and then there's, right, you, have, you go from 100,000 to the 50,000 at Albertson Stadium, and I am telling you right now, there are a few places as electric and you kind of get that feeling of, holy smokes, I'm playing college football. Uh, you know, it's up there. It's up there with Ohio State. It's up there with Michigan. Um, the place is absolutely booming. There's a ton of energy, and, and it's hard to kind of walk in in those types of environments. And so I think, um, you know, that's always been, that's always been a struggle for, for BYU, especially there. 
Okay, I think that at least 70% of our listeners think, wow, I must have just lost focus and concentration for a minute because when I just put that conversation together, I think I think Dylan just compared Boise State to Ohio State and Michigan. 100%. And, I, and, and in terms of environment, in terms of stadium, you know, a Saturday night in Boise is like, and, and people can give me as much crap as they want for saying this, right? <laughs> a Saturday in Boise is one of the most, right, like, college football uh, environments, right, where you're like, that is college football at its finest, and, and Boise is one of those places, especially when they're winning, and they're good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's literally the biggest thing in the state. How many how many programs can say that you are literally the biggest thing in the state when you're playing a home football game? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Well, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. You want to make a pick? You want to say something? You know, and just put it up there on the wall, or is that just too much? Uh, you know, too much trouble. <laughs> Quite frankly, uh, your listen, social media doesn't need that kind of trouble. Listen, I am a, uh, I am a big knock on wood. Right? Uh, there's a reason. You know, I, 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 I don't place any bets on BYU. Uh, due to the fact that it generally goes the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And so I will go ahead and not put that in the air just because I still have that that, that uh, superstition about me. All right, there it I is. Do think that, I, do, I do think it's a win. Am I going to say by how much? No, I don't want to put that type of okay. juice out there. All right. Oh, Dylan, that's all that really matters, right? It doesn't matter if they win, exactly. by, win by one or win by 31. All right, hey, thanks for the time. We appreciate it as always, and we'll talk to you again next yep. week. Bye-bye. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So, PK, Boise State is like going to Ohio State or Michigan. Earlier in the show, you're like, eh, it's 38,000, whatever. What's with the home field advantage? Eh. Yeah, I, I, I stand by that. If I'm a player, that's the mindset I have to have. I, I don't think you Well, yeah, be... you don't play whoever is sitting in Section 14, Row 18. I mean, it, yes. As a player, you need to have that mindset. And yet there's a player who says you still feel it when you run out on the field. Right, but it doesn't have to be a negative. I mean, I don't, I'm talking about being intimidated by the crowd. If you use it towards a positive, some people use it towards a positive. It was, real, it was interesting. Uh, I think the, uh, the Wisconsin game when they went back there, and I thought they had zero chance to win. And I think it was the start of the fourth quarter at uh, Camp Randall. I mean, that was – and I've been to a lot of different places in every single conference, and that was as impressive as any place that I've been. And, and you know, I've been to so many of them uh, that they – the BYU, the start of the fourth quarter, I think the crowd really goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, BYU sort of beat them to the punch, and those guys were just jumping up and down, going crazy. All the Cougars were on their sideline, which was across the way from the press box, so I had a good look at it because they're facing us as opposed to looking down and having their backs to us. And you could see that they were reveling in it. That's what I'm talking about is that you can't let the crowd get into you. Yes, it happens sometimes, but in my mindset, I got the Whittingham mindset when it comes to that, is I can't allow that to happen. If anything, I play it to my advantage. Yeah, I like that last part about playing your advantage because I've seen uh, for for whatever reason, I have sat on YouTube and watched different schools, and there it's stunning how many players on how many different schools over lots of different seasons 
love that moment. They love that song. They love the environment. They are, I know, yes, coach, I'm totally focused. Every play matters in the back of their mind. They're like, I can't wait for the end of the third quarter. This is going to be awesome. And you can tell by the way they're bouncing around on the sideline that they are looking forward to this. And you know they talked about it on the flight. They were talking about it on Wednesday. They were probably talking about it when they saw the schedule. But yeah. you're right. That's an advantage. That's not a. Uh, that's not a negative. That is people like pumped up. Here comes the fourth quarter. This is going to be great. Well, if you have that attitude when you run out on the field, you should be more likely to win. Riley can lecture us on that all day long when he comes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK. There is Dylan Colley talking BYU football. Next, Frank Dolce, the former Ute quarterback, joins us. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Hill, head coach at Weber State. Were you on Zach Wilson? Did you identify him as a potential great quarterback in high school? He was my favorite guy I saw that year. And I know that's easy to say because anybody can say that now that he's having all this success. But the reality is that he should talk, it was recruiting him from our staff. We had him up at a one-day summer workout that we could have him here for a camp. And I watched him throw in person. He was my favorite guy for sure that year. I made him my favorite favorite player I've ever seen in person that particular year. And that's real. I loved his film his senior year. He could throw it. He was athletic. He was a leader. And now I'm glad he's starting to show exactly what I saw because early on in his career, people questioned whether he was the right guy. And I always believe he was. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Boom. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'm five minutes closer to death, PK, and all I got to show for it is about uh, four different versions of Jump Around. I just spent, after talking about that, I just just spent the last commercial break watching YouTube. And it's awesome! It's going to suck not having that this year, because when you're watching a Wisconsin game, every TV producer makes sure that they show you that as they come back from break. Uh Uh-huh. You're right. And we're not getting it this year. Dang it. You know what we are getting, though? Yes. Frank Dolce. Utah Insider for the Zone Sports Network. You hear him on multiple shows throughout the course of the week. It was our idea. We take full credit for all of your appearances, Frank. Good morning. Yes. Yeah, I give you full credit as well. Uh, Are you including Jake in that credit? I think it was somehow Jake's brainchild. So I'm going to throw Jake in there as well. All right, fine. Throw Jake in there. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Jake. Pac-12 football is finally here. Thank goodness we are all ready for games. The number one question you want answered on Saturday is? I think there's two questions that I I want answered. Um, The the first one is, you know, the the obvious. Who's going to be taking the snaps and... I, you know, I, I I thought it was surprising that Coach Whittingham mentioned that they they have their starting guy, even though they're still battling in camp. But that just seems out of character for him. So if Coach Whittingham knows who the starting guy is, then everybody on the team knows who the starting guy is, even if they haven't named the starting guy. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds, and I'm still. 
Man, you crossed the line, and Kyle just ended the conversation right there. He just didn't like the direction of that. He's all-powerful, PK. Yeah, all that powerful. was very impressive. He was starting to leak it out. Yeah, right? It's going to be – it's going to be yeah, – uh, and boom, Kyle. Whew. That's why I'm staying on this side, man. I'm not going to say it for sure, for sure. I've hinted if you've been paying attention, but I'm not going to say it till Friday because at that point, Arizona, what are you going to do? It's, it's too late. And – as if it makes a big deal. We certainly know who Arizona's quarterback's going to be. And so I think that that's – I think Kyle gets a little paranoid on that, but what the heck. Coaches, what are you going to do? They're paranoid yeah. at uh, Boise State, too. They got two, they got two good quarterbacks who performed well, and they don't want to let BYU know. It's, well, all it's, Harson is saying is Bachmeyer, we don't know his availability, but he's not out for the season. <laughs> okay. That's classic, not out for the season. That's – that's right in line with Kyle. All right, you back with us there, uh, Frank? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But Kyle did it. I do. Kyle did it. Yeah. He didn't like where I, you were uh, going. That's that's where, where, it, where it was headed, and I don't know. I'm driving, um, but I, so I don't know what's happening with the – maybe the election day, there's something funny happening with, you know, Wi-Fi, Internet sort of stuff so we'll see we'll try and get through this so rather than things that you are maybe concerned about how about things that you feel like all right the Utes can do this because this is what they do so in my mind I've got good defensive line play because they even though it's amazing when you think about it even though they sent three guys all three seniors got drafted and are on NFL rosters out of the defensive line. I still feel like that can be a strong point, which just is amazing uh, to the speaks to the consistency and the development of Utah's program. And and then they lose their career leading rusher in Zach Moss, and we all know he was really good. But they always seem to have thousand yard rushers, so I'm sure about the defensive line being good. And I still think that they'll be able to run the ball. Anything that you feel extremely confident about because we've watched it for so many years? Well, yeah, the, the, the defensive side, I mean, replacing all of the talent and productivity. So that's a question. Uh, but because, like you said, because we've seen it for so long, I don't have a huge concern about Utah reloading on the defensive side, especially up front. And, and I think they're going to be, they're, they're going to have to be really good up front, especially early in the season as, you know, linebackers, even though I, I really like Boyd back there, linebackers, defensive backfield kind of gets settled in and maybe especially in the defensive backfield. So I don't have huge concerns about the defensive side. I think they'll be able to stand their own. Um, maybe not the same productivity as a year ago, but but they could approach that at some point in the season. On the offensive side, I really like the I, I like the offensive line, and I really like the talent in the running back group. Um, and then I think you add in a guy that I think could have you know kind of this Gronkowski type of effect on the offense, and Grant Keefe. I think he's that talented. He does everything really well. Um, he's a, he's a nightmare to match up on the defensive side. And so, I mean, I, I really like the, the some of the tools on the offensive side. I guess I have a little question about the outside receivers. Um, Britton Covey sounds like he's back full speed. And as productive as Tyler Huntley was a year ago, 
I think the, I think the youth can get at you know at least that same productivity out of the quarterback position. I'm placing a lot of that on the shoulders of of Coach Ludwig. And so, yeah, I mean, there's question marks about this football team, um, and they do have to replace a lot of talent. But I, I'm also optimistic about the team. Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You know, the interesting thing about uh, Covey is that they got a really good tight end coming back in Keithy. And I think uh, Fotheringham has done some good things for him. Now they got a transfer from the University of San Diego, and I'm trying to read between the lines on Kyle's media availabilities. And Kyle's making him sound like he's the best tight end. It's like, but if you're using tight ends, you don't usually have a slot receiver. I suppose you could go with two wide receivers and Covey in the slot and a tight end, although you only have one tight end, right? You can have a running back. So what what is this offense going to look like as far as receivers are going to go? How is this going to work? Well, I, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to, you know, I was, like, the, the, the Golden State Warriors went small ball in, in basketball. And I wonder if you could do something like that a little, it's, it's the same but different, you know, for Utah football and just throw three tight ends out on the field and Britton Covey as your, uh. as, your re- as your receiving group and and see how and see how that because I I, I, I if you have guys like, like Keithy, who I think is the best, I really like Fotheringham too. And we'll see about number three. If if you really have talent like that, those guys are just matchup nightmares or for a, for a defensive football team, and you're gonna are you gonna put a linebacker on those guys? You won't be able to keep up. Are you gonna put a strong safety on? Maybe not big as, as powerful as strong. You know, it, it creates problems for a defense. So so maybe you throw a few of those few of those guys out there along with Britton Covey, who also presents matchup problems. Uh, it's just trying to and, and this is where I say I put a lot on the shoulders of Coach Ludwig. It's trying to maximize the talent that you have available. And if the talent you have available is in is distinctly in the in the tight end group, then don't you have to figure out a way to get those guys on the field, even if they're on the field at the same time? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to leave your most if it's true, your most talented people on the sideline. I'm Samson Nakua, and I do not approve of this formation. <laughs> well, I I kind of would like to see it. I'd like to see it. Uh, two two flex tight ends, Britton Covey, and one of the tight ends lined up on the outside. Gronkowski used to do that sometimes. Yeah. Great. You just compared the Ute receivers, to, Ute tight ends to Gronkowski. Cougar fans will now begin to fill my Twitter feed. Let me check. Hold on. I know. I did it twice. I did it twice. And that's okay. I mean, people people can twist it around a little bit. I I think there's, you know, I think that those guys, especially Keith, can have that kind of effect on a game because he presents challenges on the defensive side. So going big picture, I'm saying uh, best case scenario obviously is six and zero. Worst case scenario is four and two. Worst case scenario is four and two. Who do you have those two losses? Uh, who they might be against? Would you say USC and Arizona State? Yeah, most yeah. likely. Yeah, I, I think that's probably how I would 
that's that's probably how I would look at it too. Utah got a nice draw on the north in the crossover game with with Oregon State, so I think that's helpful. Uh, I think that I, I think that you're probably I'm probably on the same. I, I you know I rarely I rarely pick an undefeated season because it seems like right one of those things you know one of those teams sneak up and get you. I think anything worse than four and two would be kind of a disappointment for for the football program, and that's you know assuming lots of things that we're assuming like the defensive side is is going to be able to manage that loss of talent and productivity. So, But I'm with you on that. I think that, that um, I'd probably be 4-2, four 5-1 and four and and is, is probably a reasonable guess at the season. Okay, but it's not really an undefeated season. It's half of an undefeated season. Six is half of 12. Utah math. Come on, stay with me here, Frank. If Utah goes six and zero, I think they should be well seven and zero. You'd have to go seven and zero, then I think they should be considered, you know, national champions. I hear a lot of that talk in the state right now. <laughs> was was that a little bit of a shot right there? I don't know. Let me check my Twitter mentions. Yep, Twitter's broken. Good work, thanks, Frank. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you call that, but I do love Kalani Sataki. I will say that. <laughs> and you got and you got no use for anybody else in blue. Go ahead and say that. What about A Rod? You gonna I throw A Rod a bone? I and and I and I'm a huge fan of, of A Rod as well. No, no question about it. So what you're saying if BYU and Utah would have played this year, Utah would have kicked the crap out of them. <laughs> I I, I mean, I think Utah's going to win that game. That game every time Utah Utah plays that game. And by the way, I think it's a game that should be played every year. I, I'm not a I don't I don't I'm not a guy that thinks that you should avoid that game unless you have you know Corona or whatever that we have going on right now that that eliminates that game. So, but I also think that Utah should be playing Utah State every year. I mean, I like the I like the in-state rivalries that. You know the landscape of college football doesn't necessarily allow that, but but uh, I like those. I like the in-state games. No, no question. Frank Dolce joining us, Utah Insider for the Zone Sports Network. Uh, is there anything about Arizona that scares you, or is everything you heard program in disarray, uh, not enough talent? I've looked at some of the. Um, you know, the nationalists where they do, you know, rank them schools one through 130. And like the bottom half of the Pac 12 South is maybe the middle of the Mountain West Conference. I mean, they're just getting trashed in a lot of these rankings. Yeah, I mean, I, anything can happen. So, I, I, you know, that, that is a slight, slight concern, I guess. But I really was a big fan of Kevin Sumlin. I thought that, that he was going to, when, when they made that hire, and, and Arizona State made their hire, I thought that one school got it right and one school was going to have a coach for about half a season. And that turned out to be the opposite of what I thought. And, and so I, I, I'm still I don't know. I still have this little hope that someone can get it figured out and get that program back on track because when, you know, it's just, it's good for college football. It's good for the Pac-12 when, when you have, you know, better competition throughout the, throughout the league. So 
but I just am kind of scratching my head about um, about where that program has gone under the direction of someone who I thought was going to be really good and, and take Arizona to be, you know, kind of a uh, some, someone to compete against week in and week out. A guy that a guy that would take his program into the conversation of, of conference championship every year. Yeah, yeah. Bite your tongue there, Frank. Come on, man. I am. Yeah, well, you got it. You got it right. I mean, your guy got it right. And did you, I mean, how much faith did you have in Herm Edwards when he didn't know what a Sun Devil was or he didn't know that the Sun Devil was your mascot, for heaven's sake? I mean, his first two press conferences were, like, disasters. Well, actually, I felt a level of encouragement once he hired Antonio Pierce. And as you know, with the California roots there in the L.A. area, uh, Pierce, yeah. who played in the NFL, actually played at Arizona, but was the coach at Long Beach Poly. And, and, and I, you know, it's been 25 years since I've worked down there, but I've been to Long Beach Poly. It was a power then. It's a power now. So my point is, once he hired Pierce, the idea is, all right, Herm is going to get it. It's about recruiting, man. And that's one thing Kyle has just drilled into our heads over and over again. It's about recruiting. It's, coaching is nice, and you got to have it, but it's about recruiting. And so I took a level of encouragement there that he hired a guy who could bring in players, a guy who had a name in a fertile recruiting area. So I think that was a positive. you got to understand what it takes to win and who you are and how you go about winning. And that's one of the things that Kyle does extremely well as far as bringing in dudes that he knows that he can mold them. And, you know, they may have been a quarterback and they'll play defensive end at uh, Utah. And obviously Paul Kruger did that. And now Kruger's living the fine life, splitting time between Park City and Scottsdale because he made all that money as a professional NFL football player. So he does that real well. And that that's the one thing that I've never understood is that programs, and this includes the professional ranks, study the programs that are really good. And if you're like Arizona State, should be studying Utah's program. How have they been so good? You know, don't study SC's program or Stanford's program or even Oregon's program because they're just they're on a different level. But study the programs that you re, that you connect with and are in a similar situation. Find out what they do and then try to copy that. And I think that's what Herm has done in terms of getting players in because in the final analysis, to me, it's about the players. Well, I think you you made a couple points there that I, I I'd like to comment on. One is uh, the recruiting. There's no, there's no question about the way Coach Whittingham has approached that and the ability to go out and get talent and, and, and find, you know, three-star guys that really play like four- or five-star guys, guys that were dismissed by other programs. And I think you learned that lesson under Coach McBride, who, who really started that trend of let's go out and find guys, let's go out and find talent. And Coach Whittingham has built that to the point now where we can say, well, you lose nine guys across the defensive side and offensive side, and, and, you're, and you're not going to take much of a step backwards because your depth of talent is really good. Um, and then Coach Urban Meyer, same thing. I mean, he, you know, Kurt, Kurt, Urban Meyer is a great coach, no question about it. 
But look at the guys that that have been have played for him. Those are, I mean, those are those are guys that play on Sundays all the time now. So, yeah, no question, he got the recruiting thing right. And then the other thing that you mentioned that that gives gives me a little bit of optimism, maybe more than a little bit of optimism about where Utah will be defensively this year, is because. Coach Whittingham, and I said this yesterday on one of your shows, Coach Whittingham regularly takes the most talented people from the offensive side and immediately transplants them to the defensive side. So at the University of Utah, the, I, I would say that still the majority of the talent on the football team resides on the defensive side of the ball. So I guess the thing that uh, we'll be talking about next week is that the Utes, and this goes back to the Sumlin hire and the one thing I don't really understand, because from the start, PK was telling me to pump the brakes on this coach is good, this coach is great. He's always said that about coaching hires. Um, but the one thing I thought Sumlin would do is coming from Texas, I thought there's, there's so many athletes in Texas that he would get his fair share of guys. And a defense under Rich Rod was terrible would at least be mediocre. And they would at least be winning six or seven games a year. But when they went out last year and gave up 30 points seven games in a row and lost six of them, and then you watch the Utes in the middle of that run, or actually it was near the end of that run, and the Utes play them, and it's like, that defense athletically isn't very good. I mean, it's just not, not only do they not tackle when they get there, they don't, they don't really get there that often. It, it was, it was, it was shocking how easy it was for the youths to move the ball. It's not that they scored sixty; they didn't need to, they didn't want to, you know, play backups and all that stuff, whatever. Uh, but it, it was just so easy, and I still can't believe that Arizona athletically isn't a little better on defense. I'm expecting the Utah offense to have a pretty good day, but I just don't know that it's going to answer that many questions because we're going to be thinking, well, did Arizona upgrade the defense? And we're just not seeing it yet, or is it more what we saw the end of last year? where everybody's scoring 30 or 40 points on them and a couple people score 50 on them because they're just, they're terrible. Yeah, I don't know that we'll, we'll know much after the first game. Maybe, you know, maybe it's going to take a few weeks. It feels like that all the time. And, you know, it, it's just going to take a few weeks into the season to understand that the complexion of the of the football team and the makeup of the football team, that goes for everybody. So, but I, but I, I you know, for, for the Arizona side, I I, I don't know that there's a lot of optimism about, um, one, the way that the, the program is being led right now under Coach Sumlin. And then you can, you know, look back across what you said about, you know, the talent that he had available in Texas and not utilizing that talent or not, simply not getting that talent. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big thing. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, currently the talent that he has on, on, the, on the team and, and his um, – you know, Co- Coach Whittingham is relentless in, in going out and finding, and that's how he's built his staff. I mean, those guys are relentless about going out and finding talent. And I don't know that that same culture exists right now under someone at Arizona, and that makes it super difficult. And by the way, just a shout-out to Rich Rod. I, I was a big fan of Rich Rod. I know that he struggled a little bit. Um, at Arizona, but it seemed like he was kind of a guy that could have lasted there a while if the, if the fans didn't go so crazy. And he was good for at least one epic meltdown on the <laughs> sideline 
during season, which I thought was fantastic. Frank, we appreciate the time. Thanks for checking in. We will talk to you again next week. You guys, you know, you're my favorite show. I always tell you that. Um, and and I have, you know, we have the South Bay ties, so I feel a real affinity for, for at least half of you guys. And if you want to do this, you know, a couple times a week, let me let me check my schedule. I might be able to make it happen. Just the fact you said a couple guys, Jake feels, you know, he's starting to he's starting to feel like, you know, he was, a, he was part of the team early in the interview, and now you just dismiss him. You're trying to take a shot at me, but you just, I mean, basically, I thought I was watching a Saints game there. I thought that was the Saints and the Bears. There's a whap whap. <laughs> Jake knows. <laughs> All right, Jake Thank- knows what's up. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. There's Frank Dolce, our Utah insider for the Zone Sports Network. A little Cougar football with Dylan Colley. A little Ute football with Frank Dolce. And what the Utes and the Cougars have in common, and maybe neither one of them want to hear. They don't mind saying it about the other guy, but they don't want to hear it about themselves. But they got it in common, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Coming up, we'll talk about the rest of the NBA. What's going on out east Be as back well. east. You said out east. What's the matter with the out east? Because it's back east. It's out west. Why? Because you've already been east. Everybody came east to west, so it's back east. What year is this? Are you talking about like the mountain men? What are you talking about? Back east? You don't say out east. Because east isn't out. East is back. Out west. <laughs> Well, it probably stems from getting in the old prairie schooner and heading west, but it still applies. All right. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Hey, PK, what are preseason predictions worth? Zipola. (laughs) But when that's all you got to go on, what do we do? Wallow in them. Yeah, sure. The preseason predictions, and I was mentioning before the break, you know, Utah and BYU, and, and what do they have in common? And what do they not want to admit? Although they'll say it about the other guy. Uh, PK, the strength of these schedules this year, and you were kind of alluding to that when you were talking to Frank about, hey, this team's going four and two. You read the preseason predictions, and Colorado may come out and stun us all. But man, the negativity, it's almost a pity party for Carl Durrell. You know, it's too many coaches, too quickly. He didn't even get to have spring ball. There's no talent on the roster. Um, it's not so much pity around Arizona. Around Arizona, it's like, how does someone not have a better team? Not a great team, but how does he not have a better team? Holes all over the roster there, and he's going into, is this his third year now? Yeah, it's his third year now, and, you yeah, know, yeah, they yeah. ought to be better. They, not great, but they ought to be better. The, the trend in the wrong way and they ought to at least be a six or seven win team uh, in a twelve on a twelve game season. You know, this year they ought to be three and three or whatever. Uh, but it's uh, you read stuff on Arizona and, and their preseason predictions, and you know, young players get better and surprise you, so you never know. But it's basically like, well, maybe Arizona could beat Colorado. You know, UCLA. Uh, it's kind of scathing 
<clears throat> just if, if you kind of take the compilation of everything that's been written about the Bruins, uh, they'll give them a couple wins because Colorado and Arizona are so messed up. But again, a team that you're sitting in, uh, amidst all that talent and you're going to lose 25 guys to SC and other elite teams, uh, Oregon and Washington and Utah and uh, ASU are going to come in and get some kids, and, and Clemson's going to come in and take a star quarterback, but there's still so many players that UCLA should be better. And so you start looking at the youth, uh, the youth schedule, they get given Oregon State, and Oregon State, you know, starting to rebuild last year, but their quarterback was an NFL draft pick, and so he's gone. So... Yeah, four and two. This this is uh, we can say all we want about BYU's soft schedule, and it's been soft. There's no way around it. Even softer than we thought because it looks like Navy and Houston are kind of underachieving their reps. Uh, but for the Pac-12, man, the Utes the Utes are hitting the soft portion of this. The ASU and the USC game, which in the other order, USC will be the third game and ASU the fourth game. Those are those are two really good tests, and it'll be interesting to see if the Utes can pass those. But it's a little bit what BYU is looking at. It's like you ought to win that, you ought to win that, you ought to win that. you got these two tests here, and you need to pass those. And they're really good tests. But then after that, eh. I mean, you want to you pump up any of these teams, or are you seeing it the same way? I actually think if you're a good team, every team that's a good team has a soft schedule in college football. There aren't that many tough schedules. There are some. See, do you get, but is it because Ohio State's great, or is it because the Big Ten sucks? Because that's yeah, what I think the it's Pac-12. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the Pac-12 is up against that. I mean, certainly there's like a five-year narrative here. Like, what's wrong with that league? <laughs> yuck! <laughs> yuck! Yuck! Looks like a bobblehead doll right now. <laughs> well, that's exactly. I think what most people's thought is: is there's this narrative that's going on that they just can't shed. It, but if you're a really good team. Then your schedule is soft. Because you're better than everybody. That's a good point. Yeah, because in colleges you have so much advantage, it's unlike the pros. Some pro teams have advantages, but a lot of it is just because your guys are smarter than the other guys, particularly in football. Yeah. It's not necessarily about uh-huh. market. I mean, in the NFL, the market, I'm sure Dallas gets the pub and whatnot, but nevertheless, man, you can play anywhere in the NFL, and if you're really good, uh, you're going to just get all sorts uh, of publicity. Yeah. So that's out the window. You you'll get at, all the money. Yeah. You'll get the national endorsements, whatever you're looking for. You look but it's completely four. different in college. Yeah, in the NFL, there's four teams in New York and L.A., and only one of them can be considered any good you know we'll see how the Rams season plays out but for the the Giants are like a combined one in 16 aren't they something like that the 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 Jets have zero wins the Giants have one win and the Chargers have two wins so those three teams aren't you know they aren't going anywhere right now but to your point then you get to the SEC and Alabama's budget looks a little different than South Carolina's budget yeah so good luck South Carolina right Uh, maybe I'm trying to think who would who would be a good team that where they're like that's a tough schedule. Uh, not Clemson in the ACC, <clears throat> Ohio State. I guess you got to play Michigan. You got to play Penn State. I was gonna say Arkansas. Considering they just have a bad because they're in the SEC West. Yeah, but they're finally starting to make some progress. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 the zone.